Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. You've seen it happen before, and so have I. And it is an absolute roller coaster of emotions. You're there on that Sunday morning when the invitation is extended and we stand and sing a song and that person walks down the aisle. And you maybe even shed a tear of joy. And you see all the, the handshakes and the hugs. And it is just an absolute moment of celebration and excitement. And then it's just a few weeks or months later that you notice they haven't been there in a little while. And, and you decide, you know, it's, it's not just the elder's job. Or it's not just the preacher's job. I'm a Christian. I, I want to check on this person. I sat near them or they were in my, my Bible class or we worked together or whatever it is. And so you reach out to them. And they don't return your phone call. They won't return a text message. You try to visit them and you can tell they're thankful that you stopped by the house. But it's it's really, really clear that they're not going to be returning to that auditorium anytime soon, if ever. What happened? What happened? Now, of course, there are any number of reasons why that could happen to someone. Some are legitimate, some may not be so legitimate, but, but it happens. Last Sunday morning, we began a series of lessons on the parable of the sower. And we're calling the subtitles you see on the screens, How Receptive Is Your Heart? And we spent some time last week thinking about that first kind of soil in the parable, the, the wayside soil or the soil beside the path. And if you weren't here last week, that sermon was recorded. is on uh, our podcast feed if you want to go back and listen to it and catch up. And each of these lessons stands alone in its own way because Jesus was describing four different kinds of, of hearts. And that, that second type of soil, that rocky soil, may at least in part have something to do with that person I described a moment ago. Oh, it's not the only reason why that might happen to someone. But I think as we go through Matthew chapter 13 this morning, if you have your Bible and open it to Matthew 13, both to the parable that Reese read a few moments ago, as well as to the explanation found in verses 18 through 23, you're again going to have the, the outline right there in front of you. Maybe, just maybe, we're going to get some reasons. But as we said last week, as we go through each of these four lessons on the different kinds of soil found in this, this parable, there's a couple things, a couple temptations I want us to stay away from. One is, I don't want us just to gain information. Certainly, preaching is dispensing information. That's, that's part of it. We, we need to learn and we study, but we need to also apply. 
But the other temptation is I don't want us just thinking about somebody else. As we said last week, when Jesus gave these parables, he preached from that boat as people were thronging up on the beach on that day. He was talking, especially in this parable, about people who were in that crowd. Each of the four kinds of soil that he describes in this parable were represented in that audience that Jesus spoke about. I don't know. Because I'm not God. I don't have the ability. But I don't know whether all four types of soil are represented in this room or not. But I do know, as I said last week, that we can be very tempted to just assume we are that fourth kind of soil, that good soil, and think the other three, well, that has to be somebody out there. When at the very least, I can be tempted to be like those first three kinds. And that can even be true of the rocky soil. Three things in this lesson will be yours this morning. First of all, I want you to notice as we think about the rocky soil that there was immediate receptivity. As with the wayside soil, one of the interesting things about each of the four kinds of soil, but specifically this morning, the rocky soil, is this is not dealing with people who've never heard the message. Each of these four kinds of soil are people who have heard the Word. Jesus makes that very, very clear. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But the rocky soil represents someone who has heard. But you remember, the wayside soil was someone who listened, but they kind of already had their mind made up. That's kind of what we spent our time last week. They, they weren't really going to change. All, all they were going to hear was a story about some guy sowing some seed. And maybe there's some spiritual principle there, but not anything I need. The rocky soil goes a little bit further. If you're in Matthew chapter 13, look at the explanation that Jesus gives down in verse 20 of that chapter. Jesus said, As for what is sown on rocky ground, verse 20, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now there are three things in that one very short sentence that we need to have in mind as we think about this part of the parable. First of all, and notice how I emphasize this, they heard the word. This is not someone who just hears some philosophy out there. This is not someone who hears some watered-down message. Jesus says they heard the Word. They're hearing, in His case, His own preaching. Maybe these are the same people who had heard John the Baptist preach, and now they're hearing Jesus preach, or they've heard some other people, the apostles or other teachers, whatever it is. But they are hearing the pure message of the Word of God. And by the way, more than likely, many of them, if not all of them on that day, had been Jews before, or were still Jews this time, and had heard the message of the Old Testament their whole lives. So they're hearing the truth. That's very important. But Jesus then also says they don't just receive it. He says they immediately receive it. There's something about this message or something about this word that when they hear it, it excites them. They're ready to hear it. They want to hear it. And it goes in, they're just thrilled by it. And they're not going to just push back just to be contrarian. We all know people like that, right? They're going to push back just to be contrarian. I've told you about the man I I knew when I lived in Nashville who was always finding something wrong with everything. And we had a day that was what I like to call a better business bureau day, chamber of commerce day, 70 degrees outside, not a cloud in the sky, beautiful, breezy fall day. And I saw him in the lobby and I said, boy, it's so pretty outside. And he said, yeah, but it's too bright. You know people like that. That just push back just to push back. That's not this person. When they hear the Word of God preached, they receive it and they receive it with joy, Jesus says. They're thrilled by what they're hearing. This could be the person who's hearing a sermon or sitting through a Bible class at a very low point in their life. 
and they hear something preached or taught that strikes a chord with them, and they think, this is what I've been looking for. Maybe my marriage is on the rocks, and, and this is what I've been looking for, or I'm struggling to raise a teenager, and there's something that's said that's going to help me with that, or, or I just lost my job, and I hear something that's going to help me with that. They receive it with joy. They may not fully understand everything, but there's a joy because they're hearing something that's changing them, changing their mindset, changing their heart. Ultimately, of course, changing their soul and their soul's eternity. They receive the joy. Wouldn't you want to study the Bible with this person? I mean, wouldn't this be the person? When you sit down at night or get up in the morning and pray, God, open a door of opportunity. Isn't this the person you have in mind? Because anything you say that's from Scripture, they're like, oh, yes. I can picture it. This is the person who comes into a worship service and sits there with an open Bible and maybe has a pen and is making some notes or or they have an app open on their phone and they're highlighting things because there's something about this that excites them. That's this person. It's thrilling, isn't it? And you're there on that Sunday morning when we stand and sing a song and they come down that aisle And maybe you shed a tear. Because while you know it's the power of the gospel that changes someone's life, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, maybe you've been praying for that person. Or maybe you're the one that actually invited them to worship. Or maybe you're the one that actually sat and opened the Bible with them and studied so so they would understand the plan of salvation. You, You played at least a small part. You know the Word is what changed them, but you played a small part. And you're just so thrilled. You're there when it happens. Folks, if that's where this part of the parable ended, we could stand to sing a song in a moment. We'd all leave it here just smiling and skipping and be so thrilled. But I hate to tell you, it's not where it ends. Because something happens. And so Jesus in the second place mentions that there's a lack of depth with this person. A lack of depth. The first part of verse 21, if you're looking at the explanation that Jesus gives... States about this person who's been filled with joy over the truth of the Word of God. Jesus says, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. Now there's something found back up in the parable itself. You're open at Matthew 13 that I want you to grasp and see. If you look back up in Matthew 13 to verse 5, Jesus said there in the parable itself, other seeds fell on rocky ground. Now notice it, where they did not have much soil. Jesus does not say they didn't have any soil. They did not have much soil. This is not trying to plant a seed on top of a rock. This is not taking a a kernel of corn and placing it on the middle of your asphalt driveway and saying, I can't believe nothing grew here. There is some soil here, is there not? But Jesus says it didn't have much soil. There's no depth to it. And so that's why we're calling this point a lack of. Of depth. Some of you who try to garden or have a flower bed or something, you know exactly what Jesus is talking about here. You, you have that little bit of soil that looks good and maybe you don't really work that soil and you, and you put your shovel down into work a little bit and you hit something and you've got a long day ahead of you because you know you can't plant something yet. Because there's not depth enough for the roots to take hold. The the seed does not have an opportunity to develop what it needs to support the plant. But that's where the phrase in Jesus' explanation comes so much into play. Where he said that this person endures for a while. It's an interesting way of wording it, is it not? They endure for a while. 
This is the person who is a Christian. There's no doubt they've heard the Word. We just mentioned that. There's no doubt this is the person who accepts the Word, who believes the Word, who becomes a Christian. And I can even see this person, once they become a Christian, going up to one of our elders and saying, hey, put me to work. I want to do stuff. I heard you make an announcement you need vacation Bible school teachers. I heard I heard that we need a Bible school teacher over here. Or one of the elders says, hey, we need a man to serve on the war. Say, well, I'll do it. Sign me up. This is that person. We, we look at them and we think, wow, they've got it all together. They're so enthused. They're so excited. I mean, this person has come into the fellowship of God and they are absolutely on fire for a while. And then something happens. And they're not deepening their faith. They have all the outward appearances right. But the inner stuff is not growing deeper and stronger. If you like to grow plants, you've had this happen. Maybe you plant a row of something in your vegetable garden. And most of it looks really good. But right in the middle, there's a couple things that just don't grow right. They grow a little bit. But they never, they never put on the fruit. They never put on the, the vegetables you wanted. When you finally figure it out, you, you dig down a little bit and you realize, oh, that far down the soil were a bunch of rocks. And so they had a little bit of root, but there was no real place for the root to spread out and grow and put down depth. That's what Jesus is talking about. This person is so excited because they became a Christian. They were so thrilled to make that step, but they forget to keep going. And they can, they forget to keep putting down roots and grow deeper into their faith. This is why certain things are so important in the life not only of individual Christians, but even the life of a church. Folks, this is why in our Bible classes, we need to actually teach the Bible. We need to be digging into the Word of God. In our Bible classes, it's important to have fellowship in our classes. I'm not saying that at all. But if all we're doing is fellowshipping, let's call it something else because it's not Bible class. It's why our sermons, including the ones that I preach, need to be sermons that are not just a verse or two, but are digging into the Word of God and seeing what it really says. This is not story time. This is Bible time. And we need to treat it that way. But individually, it's also why we must take in the Word of God constantly. It's invaluable. We have way too many Christians who know a whole lot of things about the Bible, but who aren't actually looking at the Bible and digging into it and seeing what it really says. When we fail to take in the Word of God, both individually and collectively, we're not deepening our roots as we should. And collectively, it can kill us. The prophet Hosea told God's people in the Old Testament, my people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. And you think about what Paul told Timothy, study to show yourselves approved unto God. That's an individual thing, but I think we can apply it collectively, can we not? We need to make sure that as God's people, we are digging into the Word of God. But that is so true individually as well, that we are deepening our roots. Why? That's the third thing. Because if we're not, we can have superficiality to spiritual death. Jesus makes it clear that difficulty is going to come. This is a so real to life thing. If you're still in Matthew 13, look at the explanation in verse 21. Because what causes this seed to fail to produce is tribulation or persecution that arises on account of the word. 
Now, it's here that I want you to go back up into the parable again. And I want you to see how Jesus had put that in this word picture. In verse 6, Jesus said about that seed on the rocky soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. Do you remember last week, if you were here and we studied the wayside soil, what was it that took away the seed? It was those birds, right? And we made the point that that's just very natural. Birds see the seed and birds eat the seed because that's what birds do. They need to eat, they need to live. Think about what Jesus does with the rocky soil. Just as with the wayside soil, He doesn't make up something totally bizarre. He simply says, the sun came up and scorched these particular plants, the seeds. If you were growing plants in the Middle East at that day and time, don't you think you knew the sun was going to come up? (laughs) And don't you think you knew that in growing season, the sun might get just a little bit hot? Jesus is making it clear that this is something that is going to happen. And when He gives the explanation and says that that sun represents tribulation or persecution, He's saying this is going to happen. If you really hold on to the Word of God, some people are not going to like it. And they're not going to treat you the way you think you should be treated because you're a loving and kind and gentle and gracious person. Some people just do not like that we are faithful. And the Bible makes that clear from beginning to end that we will face persecution. In fact, Paul would make it exactly clear when he would write to Timothy and say, Behold, all who desire, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's no wonder Jesus would challenge us to count the cost. Is being a Christian a wonderful thing? Folks, there's no better life out there. But the Bible makes it clear that some people aren't going to like it. And this is the person, the rocky soil is the person, who is so thrilled but never counted the cost. And doesn't do the hard work of developing roots so that then when that heat of persecution comes, if you please, when the sun rises, they can't handle it. They can't handle it when somebody makes fun of them. They can't handle it when people begin treating them differently at school or at work or in the neighborhood because they're one of those Bible thumpers now and all, they think they're better than everybody else. And oh, those are the people who think they're the only ones going to heaven. And I want you to think about this in context of when Jesus actually spoke these words originally. There were some of those who were listening to Jesus on that day who most likely had heard John the Baptist preach earlier and their hearts were stirred. Many loved that John would call out the religious hypocrites, the elites of his day. And then further, they loved it when Jesus came along and did much the same thing. And that's why, at least in part, there's such a massive crowd around him that you remember the chapter begins, he had to go out into the boat to preach because the people were pressing up against him. The crowd is so large, they're, they're excited and they're listening to them. But as Jesus began to continue to make it clear, it's not going to be easy to follow me, it's not going to be easy to be a disciple, a passage we said a few weeks ago, take up his cross and follow me. It's not going to be easy. Hmm. I'm not so sure about this. To the point it becomes where you read the words and all forsook him and fled. You and I may not face the exact same situation that they were facing as far as what they believed or thought about Christ or wanted to believe about Christ as the Messiah, the King, and so on and so forth. 
But we have got to understand that if we are not deepening our faith in the Word of God, that when the first heat of persecution comes, we will wither, we will fall away. Robert Mounts, in his commentary on Matthew, writes these words. He said, unless truth takes deep root in the human heart, it will be recanted as soon as it meets any opposition. Thin soil produces superficial commitment. My only qualm with that quotation is there's no such thing as superficial commitment. You cannot be superficially committed. You are either committed or you are not. But I think we get the point behind what he was writing. And Jesus goes on to say in the explanation that when this happens, when this person does not have their roots, when when persecution or tribulation comes because of the word, Jesus said, the English Standard Version has it, this person falls away. The King James Version has their offended. I don't think that's what the word actually means. The idea behind this word, by the way, this is the Greek word. We, we get our word scandalized. It's actually that word. But it's the idea of someone who baits a trap. And someone actually takes that bait on the trap. That's the idea behind this word. Is that not exactly what happens when we don't deepen our roots in the word of God? We'll fall into the trap. We'll fall for anything and everything. It sounds religious, it sounds easy, it sounds something, sounds more pleasant. And so there's something out there that gets me out of the heat of persecution. I'll take that way out any any and every time. That's what Jesus is saying. It's scary, isn't it? Because it's so easy to do. And it's so easy to justify. And it's so easy to fall away. By the way, just as a side note, there are many other passages we we could quote or mention. But if there is any passage in Scripture that clearly teaches that once saved, always saved is not biblical, it's the rocky soil of Matthew chapter 13. Because this is the person who has believed the Word of God. They've received it with joy. They've obeyed. They're following. But then when the heat is turned up, they're gone. I don't think any of us would say, you know what, I think that person's going to be in heaven anyway. Because Jesus doesn't commend this person in the least. It's only the good soil. That's commended. But there is a level of faith. It's not, it's all superficial. And eventually that person spiritually is simply not viable anymore. Spiritually they are dead to the Lord. Now, it'd be really easy for me to be getting near the end of this sermon and say, so the solution is really simple. Just study your Bibles more, right? A lot of sermons in that way, right? What's the point of application? Pray more, study more, right? That's, that's the whole application so many times. And in many ways, that is the application here. But I want to make just a very simple list for us all. It's not a specific list, it's a generic list. But I want us to think about some things we must remind ourselves. If I want to avoid being the rocky soil, if I want to deepen my roots, what are some things to keep in mind as far as reading and studying the Word of God. The first is the most obvious, and that is I need to be in the Word of God every day. doesn't mean I've got to read the whole book of Ezekiel 15 times every day. It's not what I'm saying. But it does mean that I need to be in the Word of God daily. Some of you have large gardens, and you know if you let them go for two or three or four days, they're gone. Right? We have a garden. And it seems like we go to Maywood Christian Camp. When we get back, it's like, oh, me. we got a problem now because we've been away from the garden for six days, and it's, it's a mess. It's the same as it comes 
to the Word of God. If it is to be our spiritual food, if it is to be our spiritual drink, we need to be in it daily. I would also remind us that we need to make sure we're combining our time in God's Word with prayer. Do I pray for wisdom that I'll understand what I read? Do I pray that that I'll, that I'll see those things in Scripture that will help me in times when I'm down or times when I do face persecution or difficulty? Do I pray that I'll know how to apply the things that I read as a, as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a, an employer, an employee, or whatever it is? Do I pray that I'll be able to take those things? Do I pray I'll be able to share them with somebody else? L- look at what I learned today. Not some arrogant way, but I want to share this with you because I'm excited about it. Combine it with prayer. Third, I've mentioned this already, and I'm using this word intentionally. I need to demand that Bible classes dig deeply into the Bible. And I chose the word demand intentionally. When I go to Bible class, it's fine to have a study book. It's fine for us to use books. My, my Wednesday night class is going through a book right now. But if there is not serious time in the text of God's Word, then let's stop calling them Bible classes because that's not what they are. This is not time for us to spend 40 minutes fellowshipping and five minutes reading a verse and saying, how do you feel about that and how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? I want to know what God says. And tied to that, I also need to demand that sermons do the same thing. I'm not saying every word of a sermon has to be a scripture quotation because this sermon would not qualify. <laughs> but everything that's said in a sermon needs to be deeply based on the Word of God. Either walking through a text and seeing what's there, or taking a general view of a topic, a subject of baptism, or the subject of Christian marriage, or the subject of the one church, or whatever, and seeing what Scripture says. This is not a time for, for someone, myself, or Tyler, or a guest speaker, this is not a time for us to get up here and tell 15 or 20 stories and quote a verse and say, that's a sermon. This is a time for the Christians to demand that whoever stands up here, even if it's me, is preaching the Word of God. Because, number five, I understand that persecutions are going to come and I need to be ready. I need to be ready. If I am not drinking the Word of God in daily in my own life, and then when we come together, if I'm not digging deeply into the Word of God in a class and, and, and understanding something from Scripture because I've listened to a sermon, then I'm not going to be ready. And I want to be ready. Because I know what's coming. I'm not talking about some general you know, government thing or military thing. I'm talking about just living life. Persecution's going to come. Someone's not going to like that you're faithful. Someone's not going to like that you really believe that someone must follow the Word of God in order to go to heaven. Someone's not going to like that you really believe that baptism is essential for salvation. Someone's not going to like that you don't believe in once saved, always saved. Someone's not going to like that. And they're going to treat you differently. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to put pressure on you. And I don't want a single Christian to fall away. I want every one of us in heaven. But it takes the willingness to remove the rocks. So may I ask, how's your heart? How's your heart? Are those things in your life that are blocking you 
from digging down deep into the Word of God so that when the heat of the sun comes, you don't wither. You don't fall away. You ain't even wither. You stand strong because you're nourished by Scripture. If you've never become a Christian, I want to challenge you this morning. Because I've said it more than once in this lesson. It's the best life possible. Jesus said, I've come, they might have life and have it more abundantly. John chapter 10 and verse 10. But He also said, count the cost. You need to understand that heaven will be your home if you are faithful. But it's going to take work to be faithful. But it's a labor of love when you realize what Christ has done for you. Have you ever become a Christian by obeying what Scripture says? Not what somebody else says, but what the Word says. Believing in Jesus. Repenting of sin. Confessing Jesus as Lord. And being baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins. Nothing would make us smile more. And there might even be a few tears shed if you'd make that decision this morning. But for those of us who are Christians, do you have things in your life that are like those rocks in Jesus' parable? That you use as excuses, you might even use the word reasons, while you're not digging down deep into the Word of God. But you understand from a study of God's Word that difficulties are going to come and you don't want to wither away when they do. We'd love to pray with you to encourage you. We'd love to pray with you to ask for forgiveness if that's necessary. Because we want to all be good soil, producing fruit in His kingdom. If you need to become a Christian this morning, or if you as a Christian need to return in faithfulness or seeking encouragement, we invite you to come while we stand and sing to encourage you.